Hi, this is Jackie Asiwe and I work with SafeSource Africa. SafeSource Africa is passionate about conversations on Africa by Africans. Welcome to Community, the podcast where we, in real time, are engaging with what it means to share, support, and exist collectively in this time of COVID-19. You can catch us every Thursday on SoundCloud or on the SivSource website. Welcome to today's conversation. Today we're going to talk to Morrison Rakakamba. He is a thinker, a writer, an activist for good here in Uganda. And today we're going to be exploring the community of workers. Once COVID was declared a pandemic, many organizations had to work from home because of lockdowns and various other things. And so today we're going to have a conversation about how the community of workers has been affected by the pandemic and what things we need to be contending with and thinking about both during the lockdown and post lockdown to better protect workers in our country. So Morrison, you're very welcome to this conversation. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak with CivSource Africa. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jackie. It's always a pleasure to uh, speak with you. And can you tell our listeners a bit more about yourself? Who is Morrison? Well, uh, I'm the founding chief executive officer at the Agency for Transformation, which is uh, a think and do tank on good governance, on farmer rights, and on environmental policy based here in Uganda. Okay. What do you think about community in the time of COVID and the lockdowns? What is your sense broadly about how, how community is happening right now under lockdown, the social distancing, distancing and the testings for COVID? What are your views? Well, first, first of all, this is uh, uh, not normal times, uh, apart from worrying about health, uh, is that uh, the nature of work has changed because every morning we wake up and you know, go to work, uh, go to office or go to a garden or go to a shop uh, where you're interacting with people physically. Uh, now it's, it's a lockdown, you know, where uh, the community has shrunk to uh, perhaps uh, those who are living with families, with a family, and then those who are living alone. So it's, uh, a different, uh, it's a different situation on how we understand community. And I think technology has been handy, although this is not necessarily universal, in connecting people, you know, speaking on Zoom, speaking on Skype, speaking on phone. But none of that will ever replace the power of physical interaction and physical communication, because I think humans were made as, you know, social, essentially socialized. And with that aspect, I think adapting to the new normal is going to be, uh, to continue to be difficult. Okay. And so we are speaking to several formations of community. We've talked to artists, we talked to the business community, and we'll continue these conversations with various formations of community. Today, we want to focus on the issue of the workers as a community. Can you scan for us? What do you see? What do you feel? What do we hear? And here I'm talking about workers in the formal sector. What, what is your pulse on that community? Well, of course, uh, like everyone else, uh, workers in the formal sector or formalized sector have been uh, adversely affected. The basics uh, of life have been threatened. 
you know, from shelter, uh, those who have lost jobs uh, in a country like Uganda, where it is predicted that uh, the, the economy is going to lose over 500,000 former jobs. That is really, uh, that is really huge. As you have been hearing, you know, we have people who can no longer pay rent, so they cannot afford the basic uh, life of shelter. Uh, we still have workers, you know, who could not get their salaries on time. Uh, so they are also constrained. Uh, they don't have uh, the necessary food uh, with the necessary nutrients that they need in order to sustain their families. Then, of course, uh, healthcare itself has been, uh, you know, a big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this situation, I can talk about myself, even because my father has not been well for a while. Um, yeah. You know, a chronic disease diagnosed with cancer. Oh. Uh, you know, during this time, you know, he's on chemotherapy and during the first weeks of the lockdown, because it was not clear on how uh, to get him to the hospital, mm-hmm. it was very, very difficult. Uh, he missed a dose of chemo by days because it was extremely, very difficult. And that's the same, really same story with many other families and many other people across yes. uh, and I think across the world. So I, uh, across all elements of uh, basic needs of life, uh, workers are also um, extremely challenged. You have had yeah. uh, like at the New Vision uh, where 60% of the salary for over 1,000 people, you know, was cut. Many small businesses, uh, people are forced to work from home and, and at half pay. But remember, these are people who already have had obligations based on projected income. Uh, most, yes. people, most people, you know, have loans that they are paying, you know, in the banks, uh, loans that they could have used mm-hmm. to secure some property here and there. So they can now uh, not fulfill uh, that, that obligation. Some use uh, the salary because that they get from work for purposes of rent. Uh, now they cannot, uh, you know, also fulfill that obligation and uh, a, lot of, a lot of stress. So it's really, it's really a tough time course, uh, handling the psychosocial, uh, psychological challenges that come with the inability yes. to provide uh, in a family, yes. especially providing, yes. and then now you can no longer provide. Uh, how do you explain that to your dependents, especially the children? How do you yes. explain that to the communities and the people in our African way of extended families that you've been supporting yes. Yes. area in Rukungiri and all these places? So it's it has been extremely um, heavily constraining uh, for workers, mm-hmm. and we hope that uh, interventions uh, come through to help uh, ameliorate that. Okay, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. That is. That is hard. And given the picture you've painted of a former worker right now in Uganda, Mm -hmm. now situate that worker within a social safety net. One would assume, because by law, Ugandan workers in the former sector are supposed to or do have or contribute to the National Social Security Fund. So what is happening? What what is how is the worker situated in that sort of, of setup? Yeah, actually I've been having asked that I uh, can actually tell the world that uh, uh, the organization that I lead, which is the Agency for Transformation and myself, uh, have taken the National Social Security Fund uh, to court, uh, challenging first of all its uh, constitutionality. Because we look at it as a social security fund, uh, but it is only behaving as an old age replacement income, meaning that uh, you know millions because their 2 million savers under NSSF cannot access uh, mid-term uh, part of their savings or cannot access 
uh, part of their savings to go through a crisis, uh, a crisis like this. And with the dis distress that I've just mentioned, workers really deserve to get part of, of those savings, you know, to be able to, to, to provide for their families. Uh, but NSSF has been largely uh, unresponsive uh, and is not willing to discuss, uh, to, discuss, uh, to discuss that. I think there are genuine concerns. First of all, NSSF uh, is being run as a, a for-profit entity and not a social security uh, not a social security entity because the claims they have is that they're investing in bonds and treasury bills, uh, that they are uh, investing in equities, you know, buying shares in, for example, Safaricom in Kenya. They have invested most of the money in uh, real estate, but this is money uh, of the workers and they do not, they even say they haven't retained the minimum liquidity ratio, which should at least be 40% of the fund. Uh, to be able to meet uh, the demands uh, of the members. So what we are calling for is really to review that law and the court to determine uh, that this is a social security fund and it must have elements that qualify to be a social security fund and those should extend to supporting, you know, uh, servers in distress, uh, supporting education, you know, of, uh, you know, members, supporting, you know, healthcare, uh, of members, and they should have other products like mortgage finance, such that the savers uh, have decent way of living. And uh, because it's a, a monopoly fund uh, that we are forced to save in only NSSF and not any other pension fund, uh, we believe that uh, that's why the management of NSSF has been uh, intransigent and haven't put the workers uh, or the savers or members at the center in terms of addressing, addressing their problems. So one of the asks that we have is for court to really break it up and liberalize the pension sector and social security sector such that workers can be able to save where they can be respected, to save where they can get uh, better returns, and to save where there are products that uh, meet their lifelong social security objectives. Interesting. So you're really saying we want a member-centered fund. Absolutely. But within, within that, um, Morris, as, as we think broadly about the way work is or may have to change post-COVID, in what ways then would a fund that is supposed to protect workers have to change? Because also what I hear you saying is that the current setup is for former days, as we say in Uganda, 19 Danyo. So if we're looking futuristically, futuristically at yes. the way work is changing and will have to change given the current pandemic, what kind of fund would answer that futuristic way that work is going to happen? Yeah, what I believe is that uh, instead of investing in uh, on stock markets and security, you know, securities in Nairobi and other places, I think a fund like this would be putting money at a low interest to be accessed by small businesses, medium businesses, and micro businesses, such that they can, you know, revolutionize, such that they can retain workers, uh, because. My belief is that companies that retain workers during this crisis are the ones that are going to, you know, recover quickly, become more resilient, uh, and create uh, long-term value uh, for workers and, and their customers. So a fund of the future would be looking at uh, products like that. And one product could be a payroll uh, relief fund, which, could be, which should be mm -hmm. concessionally at, let's say, 1% uh, for five years. And that would benefit 
small scale and medium enterprises and other struggling businesses that are employing a lot of workers to retain them and be much more resilient. Two is that uh, a fund that is focused on social security by having members at the center, by, me, by being a member's fund, would actually roll out products uh, that take care uh, you know, of uh, what I mentioned, like, you know, shelter or decent housing for workers, mm-hmm. you know, crisis provisions such that if a crisis like this uh, ever uh, rebounds again, then uh, workers are more uh, protected uh, to be able to access uh, some crisis funding to go through, to go through the pain uh, and distress. Uh, the other aspect would be, you know, really healthcare, you know, insurance, really paying healthcare insurance mm-hmm. for members. Uh, such that as we wait to retire, we are living, you know, healthier lives. Uh, and that can yes, only be yes. by, you know, ability to access, uh, you know, healthcare services at any time. So a fund of the future should be, you know, uh, gravitating and be putting the people at the center. Okay. And Morrison, maybe what I'm thinking is, maybe part of the challenge is, does our current fund, the National Social Security Fund, does it know and understand its worker? Does it have data? Is it able to define who the workers are, where they are located, where they are situated, what stresses workers are facing? Because then in understanding who you're serving, you're able to provide the right remedies, both in times of crisis and and out of crisis. So do you think the fund knows those two million that you talked about? I have been a member of the fund uh, for many years and the only service that I get from the fund is just sending me an email about my balance or an email reminder that uh, my mandatory savings need to be, you know, sent to the fund. That's all. So Mm -hmm. that extent, therefore, there are no strategic services that that the members are are really uh, really accessing. So this is why uh, my belief is that uh, I think this COVID crisis has exposed the National Social Security Fund because they have showed intransigence. They have showed that, you know, they, they care about investing in things that bring in profits. Even when some members uh, have suggested uh, and some of what some of us have suggested is that they claim to give members between 11 to, you know, 14 percent of interest because of the investments they are making per annum. Some of us are mm-hmm. saying, well, mm-hmm. we are even waiting, for example, to say uh, for the year 2020, year 2021, uh, even if there is zero interest, why don't you give us that interest that we earned uh, this past year, such that we can go through this. But that's not a discussion that they are willing to have. So we believe that that intransigence, again, is because the fund is not managed and structured uh, in a way that it puts the workers uh, really uh, at the center and make no mistake they receive uganda shillings 100 billion every month you know uh, from workers so for them to suggest that they don't have the liquidity to to, to deliver the work out of this distress and crisis uh, we believe that uh, uh, it is the highest form of corporate arrogance yeah and it is a noble fight and beyond like you said just focusing on national, the National Social Security Fund, it is high time we rethink social security protections broadly. Yes. Because even those two million don't even represent a tenth of all the working Ugandans. Yes. And, and, and you see, the reason also why we wanted to, to break up the NSSF 
monopoly is that uh, if many funds come up with different uh, products, uh, then would attract the savers from across the formal and the informal sectors to actually, mm -hmm. you know, uh, save, uh, you know, in those social security funds because they would know that the aim of those funds is real social security. But we don't see mm -hmm. social security now in the National Social Security Fund. So even the members who would want to come on board would find it extremely very difficult to do so because they would be asking you people are members, but what did uh, the social security fund save you or help you during the crisis that we just had? So I, I believe that uh, the behavior at the social security fund kind of diminishes ability to recruit everyone. But uh, government, of course, through the Ministry of Labor, Gender and Social Development is supposed to design really broader mechanisms to make sure that everyone is uh, safeguarded uh, and, and lives mm -hmm. uh, really a, a better life. Uh, as we talk now, you know, many areas in the country, especially Kasese district, uh, and those who live along the riparian uh, wetlands uh, for of, of major rivers and lakes in the country have experienced, uh, you know, flooding. Some of them, their houses have been taken, some of them, yes. their crops have gone, and uh, there is no clear information or even clear awareness in terms of uh, how many meters uh, yes. Or, you know, construct on lake shores, but also on the river banks. Uh, and there has not been a quick help uh, for those, you know, who are experiencing yeah. those challenges. And diseases are also, you know, yeah. other diseases beyond COVID uh, are mushrooming in those areas. And uh, yes. funding those yes. expected really in those, in those areas, uh, because I was speaking to people at the Ministry of Water and, and, and Natural Resources who were telling me that uh, this program is going to go through uh, 2020 and 2021, because meteorologists are, are saying that uh, we're going to be expecting a lot of rains, and that would come with not just flash, yes. but monumental, monumental flooding. And uh, there is no... Wow. Uh, you know, safety nets and, and safeguards to ensure that uh, people who are hit by such disasters uh, are, quickly, are quickly helped. And I think that the country also needs to build uh, uh, a network of, uh, you know, fast responders, you know, who are tracking, you know, crisis and who are there to help. So I think as a country, uh, it's a time to sit down and recast uh, mm -hmm. how the people and the populations at the center and make sure that they are really uh, protected uh, in times of, of distress and that we have better analytics uh, to, to yes. and project the, the challenges that may come our way and prepare our systems uh, properly. Yeah, and, and as we come to the close of this conversation, just one other question for you, Morrison, would be, is what you're saying utopian? <laughs> are there funds that are doing the kinds of things that you are saying? Or yes. are we going to be a leader? That is also a good thing if we were leading. But yes, it, it might sound in the, in the mind of a worker like Morrison is, is, is proposing things which yeah, we won't see in our lifetime. Maybe those will be for our children's children. No, I think we have got the capacity and the will to do that. Even, for example, with COVID, they will have managed it. Uh, some other parts of the world are trying to learn from us. Mm -hmm. right? uh, health response and the systems that we have built uh, and the recoveries that we are getting. So I believe that uh, we could, as a country, uh, you know, do a start. I understand somebody mentioned that in Australia, uh, the Social Security Fund came in to rescue uh, the workers 
but I know of many other social security funds or what you'd some call pension funds to that extent that have mm -hmm. given support uh, to, to their members, but are also providing broader products that cover healthcare, that cover mortgage financing, uh, that cover you know education, mm -hmm. uh, education relief and that are more strategic in how they intervene in the economy to make sure that uh, it's the economy for the people, it's the economy for the workers, it's the economy for that, that rewards labor. And one of the things that I, I could again reemphasize is that uh, a responsive fund beyond the helicopter you know, approach of giving everyone some money could be uh, yes. intervening in small scale and medium enterprises could be working with the farmers to make sure that uh, they are producing and that they have a way to access markets and, and they are adding value mm -hmm. that they have built the capacities you know to contain post-harvest losses because as a country all farmers lose around you know 40 percent yes. of whatever they pro produce uh, because of the post-harvest losses um, and inability to add some value so you would see a fund that is intervening in where people are, mm -hmm. but this fund mm -hmm. is, you know, um, you know, involved in real estate, in buying shares, you know, in Safaricom and other yes. tactical tactical markets that put workers' uh, money at risk. Today, you have read in the newspapers that uh, the fund has lost a case, um, a tax case, and uh, workers are now supposed to pay for the two billion Uganda Revenue Authority. Uh, they say NSSF, wow. but it is me and it is me and you who say in NSSF that are going to be of course uh, yes. put, putting that bid. And where you lose a case shows that there have been level of uh, incompetence in terms of how you're managing the fund. And uh, so I think uh, it's time to stop the breeding at the National Social Security Fund and then recast mm -hmm. it to better serve the worker. But maybe Morrison, and I know I said last, but now this is my last last. I don't want to become like those preachers who say last for 30 minutes. Yeah, is it, and, and going back to the conversation about community, yes. is it a time also for workers to rethink the way they have done community, they have united together around causes such as this? Maybe does this provide the opportunity to rethink and re-engineer a stronger community of workers working together to push back to you know to to not just push back but to then define for themselves the kind of social security fund they want i mean absolutely and and it's amazing uh, in a negative way uh, that um, we have never even when they were proposing certain changes in the nssf Am amendment act that workers uh, who or the savers in NSF were never consulted to give uh, to give proposals. This was, you know, a bill drafted in the halls and millers of workers of workers' house where NSSF sits, and they sent it to Parliament. And that bill uh, is not even talking about crisis access uh, to the fund, uh, even when it is talking about. Uh, um, mid-term access uh, to the fund. They are talking of 45 years, you must have worked for 10 years, and you must have been saving voluntarily. So meaning that even that provision won't save the existing, uh, the existing workers. And the other really other aspect mm -hmm. that is hurting workers is that uh, we have saved over the years and NSSF has used uh, our money to invest in banks, to invest in Safaricom. Uh, so if you reach uh, the age of 55, you just pick your money and go, yet your money was used to, for example, invest in all these, um, in all these assets that continue to generate money. But once you have, reached the age and taken money you are no longer a member yes. 
and uh, you know so yet we believe that uh, the interest in nssf should be perpetual uh, and should be unextinguishable because you have spent years investing and you know those properties that will continue to generate resources you know for for for, for the future you have a state even when you have withdrawn yes. uh, your money okay yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Morrison, for your thoughts, for your suggestions. And we throw it back to our listeners. What are your thoughts? How can social security transform, reform? What are the things we need to do? What are the things workers need to do to, to strengthen community amongst themselves as we face possibly more stresses, strains in the years to come? Morrison, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having this conversation with you and we wish you the very best as you champion the rights of workers. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Always a pleasure to discuss with you, uh, Jackie and your team. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 